0: We are thrilled to have the institutional fundraising platform, Instrumental, join us as a multi-episode sponsor in Season 5. Instrumental CEO, Gari Monglik, has created a mini-series of grant tips to help you be more efficient and strategic in your grant seeking. Listen in on today's tidbit. What else should the world know about the awesomeness that is Instrumental?
1: Yeah, so we are committed to building the best tool for nonprofits and grant writers to make grants stress-free. And our platform gives you a structure and a system to be successful by giving you the data and the workflows you need all in one place. Most importantly, we build our tool in collaboration with our customers, with our community, and we are like constantly improving. We're launching major improvements every single
2: month. To find out more, check out Instrumental.com. Use coupon code HEYDAY50 for $50 off the first month of Instrumental. That's I N S T R U M E N T L. Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes Day And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to. Five of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing and fundraising, whether you work for a nonprofit, local government, or are a consultant who serves them. On Fundraising Heyday, we cover the how to of all of those things related to grant writing and fundraising. But we also want to explore the whys of things. Why are things a certain way? Does it make sense? And um, can we make some changes to make it better when it comes to what I like to fondly call the giant brown bear of inequity that roams the world of philanthropy. And I use the, the giant brown bear image because I'm one of those nerds that watches the fat bear cam, you know, in that Alaskan park. It's like they, they have contests. And so I just imagine this big bear roaming around, you know, not getting things right. So that's why we're Hilarious. Um Hilarious.
0: As always, we do this every two weeks with the help of experts in the field in our own particular brand of entertainment, which includes sound effects, cheesy songs, and always a y'all or two thrown in here. But we do this because learning doesn't have to be boring. So let's Get to today's topic after a quick word from our
2: sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by our season five sponsor, DH Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every fundraising heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhlinnardconsulting.com. Check it out today. So if you've listened to our show this season, you're going to hear a very familiar voice as our guest today. Today, we're certainly staying in the grant and nonprofit space because we always do whether we're ranting or interviewing thought leaders, but we want to focus today on the idea of entrepreneurship and building and growing your own business as it relates to the grants and fundraising field. Certainly something near and dear to my heart, having opened my own consulting practice in 2018. Yeah, because whether you're starting your own business or if you're working to grow
0: the organization where you yourself are employed, it's important that you put your dreams and your skills and your resources to use in the best possible way. And but what better way
2: to figure out how to do that than to talk to somebody who has paved the way before us? Exactly, which is why we are excited to chat with today's guest, Gauri Manglik. She has dedicated her career to building intuitive and delightful user experiences, seeing the opportunity to force-multiply to force The nonprofit sector's ability to create impact through software led her to her work at Instrumental. As CEO and co-founder, she has led Instrumental to serve over 2,000 nonprofits today, making it a favorite tool among grant seekers for bringing grant prospecting, tracking, and management to one place. Before Instrumental, Gari was CEO and co-founder of Fondue, an online community for sharing bite-sized restaurant reviews, And now I'm hungry because I also remember fondue was this exotic, wonderful thing for me as a little girl um, with the, I'm sure now, sadly, they're probably vintage, the fondue pots and the little things, the little little cheese and dipping things. After fondue was acquired by Airbnb, Gari led their mobile and special projects teams. So enough of my asides. Gari, we are so glad that you could join us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah, we're glad to have you,
0: because we're both big fans of instrumental and um, the services y'all provide for grant and uh, fundraising professionals. So first of all, thanks for giving us a great product. Um, I understand. Yeah, I've actually listened to another podcast you were on. And from that, I learned a little tidbit about you that you, while you had um, went to school to get a degree in computer science. There was actually this entrepreneurship course that you took your senior year, and it sounded like that was a great gateway into the career you've built since your graduation. So um, would love to learn a little bit more about that class and how it impacted your tra- trajectory in your career pathway.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, most of high school, actually, before college, I wanted to be a basketball player. Um, So I went to college (laughs) really having no idea what I wanted to do when I realized that that dream wasn't going to work out for me. And so I didn't, I didn't start with computer science. I started just exploring. I was pre-med for a bit. I did econ um, for a bit. And then my dad is an engineer and he was suggesting that I just try computer science. And so he like nudged me in that direction. And um, to be honest, I was just like, just curious, like interested. I wasn't like I had not like I wasn't one of those kids that had taken apart computers as a kid or been like programming since I was five. It was totally new, and I was like, "Why not try this?" You know, I'm in college, and so I ended up taking that class. I did pretty well, and I just kind of kept going with it because it seemed like a practical, sensible degree to have, um, and also I was you know decent decent at it. Um, and I had gotten a internship my my junior year uh, working at a finance company being a software developer and I had spent some time doing that and I had actually gotten a job full-time job offer to join them after I graduated. So I went into senior year thinking that I was going to work as a developer at a finance company. Um, and I was like, you know, that seems practical and good and you know, I'm going to have a, you know, salary. Yay. Um, and then, yeah, my last semester senior year, so literally like last class I could you know possibly take, um, I, came across this entrepreneurship class. They were advertising, it was in the business school, they were advertising it in the computer science department. And I saw that and I was like, immediately like, I have to take this class. I like got some of my computer science friends to take it as well. Um, One of the things about me is when I'm interested in something, I'm like an evangelizer. (laughs) Um, So I was like, (laughs) okay, everyone has to take this class now. Um, (laughs) And so I took that class and um, yeah, it totally changed what I thought I wanted to do immediately. And I think again, Mm -hmm. like I, my parents were really focused on having a good education. They weren't the kind of, you know, I didn't have a lemonade stand. I wasn't like having businesses like, you know, as a child, like that just like, wasn't how like, wasn't the culture of my family was all about kind of getting a good education. And so I didn't Mm -hmm. know until I got to this entrepreneurship class, really what startups were really what business was. Um, But as soon as I found it, it really clicked with me. And I was lucky in that I had been taking computer science classes and that class was in the business school, but had a number of folks that were, had studied computer science and were from that department and art. The team that we had formed was kind of coincidentally a team of folks that were able to actually build something during that class, as opposed to just sort of be able to pitch it Mm -hmm. um, and kind of talk about like the business plan. We actually were able to build like prototypes and get feedback from customers and, or, or like potential customers. And I think that that was really addicting. And so my when I graduated I joined that that finance company as a developer and thought I was gonna kind of work on this startup out of school um, just on the side for fun but I was just so hooked and after six weeks I ended up quitting that job and working oh, wow. on that startup full-time um, so it was this interesting thing where I didn't know about business or startups like almost my whole life and then as soon as I found it I was like immediately hooked it was like around me but I had ever looked at it directly sure yeah. It's
2: kind yeah. of like grants, right? I, I have not met a grant writer or a fundraiser. We haven't interviewed one yet who was like, "I knew from the moment that I was five years old that I wanted to work in grant writing at, or fundraising." That just doesn't happen. It's, it's a, it can be a kind of a circuitous route, but sort of and inf- maybe like transferring skills and passion and seeing that there's a place where you can do that and make a, a living or make a business. So. I know that um, I'm still still hungry thinking about fondue from our introduction, but um, I know that you co-founded Instrumental with two other individuals. And I'm just curious um, as to what prompted you to build a platform. What was your route, I guess, is my question, into sort of the grants and grant uh, management and grant seeking in particular? from the many different business ideas? Um, and the, the former, um, is it, I always get acronyms. I'm so bad at this. I was trying to say women's national basketball association. You had the big hoop dreams and then you're moving into doing these building businesses. So what brought you to the platform for grant seeking and uh, grant management market? Sure.
1: Yeah. So, um, the company that I started out of school, Fondue, um, was in the consumer mobile space, so it was very different from Instrumental. It was all about you couldn't. It was all about just building a, a really great experience on for your for people to be able to use to like give bite sized restaurant reviews, and we didn't make any revenue. Like we weren't charging people anything, right? Because it was similar to any social media app, where the goal is to like get to you know millions of users, and then eventually you you're able to monetize that. Um, so I. Had that experience, went to Airbnb, worked there for a couple of years with with some you know of the best product and and design and engineering talent uh, you know that I could that I could possibly work with, which was really wonderful. And I met Angela, who is um, who personally she was my she became my girlfriend. Um, so kind of personally started to get to know her. She's now my wife. Um, and she was in the nonprofit space. She was like actually thinking about going into development and had done grants done grant writing um, had also worked at a funder giving out grants and um, she'd also been in academia um, writing grants and so she just felt like this world of grants from both in in the philanthropic nonprofit space as well as the academic space was very
2: inefficient she brought in (laughs) (laughs) and we (laughs) agree yes (laughs) (laughs) we're just way you can't see us listeners. we're just waving our little hands in agreement because y'all know we talk about that all the time so yes please continue (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and she brought in our co- another uh, a friend of hers, Catherine, um, who and then the three of us ended up uh, founding this company. And Catherine had also come from the nonprofit space, and so we initially um, kind of started in the in the academic grant space, and then moved our way into the nonprofit uh, grant space. And that was an interesting kind of journey for us to figure that out. But um, what my motivation was that I what I what I looked at the nonprofit tech space, um, especially in the world of grants, coming from, you know, Airbnb and fondue where we like really focus on having a great user experience and, you know, talking to your customers and being, having like the best, you know, pro, you know kind of best in class product development process. I was really surprised at what I felt was kind of like a lot of room, like a lot of room for improvement I felt um, in yes. terms of what could be done with the technology, uh, especially in the world of grants, which seemed especially, like especially underserved um, in terms of, the nonprofit tech world, like there's a ton of investment into like CRMs, for instance, and like donor donor fundraising, individual fundraising. Um, but for you know for a variety of reasons, institutional fundraising seemed like it was getting um, neglected, and so it seemed like a good opportunity. Also, of course, seemed like a great what great and very different type of business compared to Fondue, which was all about just like building an app and growing lots of users, not making any money. This was. a a type of company that we were going to be, you know, working with like, you know, business type entities, nonprofit entities that were, we were going to need to solve a problem for that was so worthwhile that they were going to need to pay us for this business to be sustainable. And so that was also very appealing to me.
2: I love how diplomatic you are talking about how there were opportunities and how the market seems somewhat underserved. Amanda and I say things like hopelessly outdated <laughs> and enraging and super top down old school hierarchical. But yes, under, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I love, especially the the
0: fact that the two people you came to work together with had clearly plenty of experience in the nonprofit and the grant space, because I'm right there with you. When I first because I've been doing grants since 2001. And when I first kept thinking, okay, there's gotta be a better way for me to keep up with all of this stuff. Anytime I would demo something that claimed to be some sort of grant system, you were right. It was, it was clearly very much fundraising donor based. Mm -hmm. They were trying Mm -hmm. to turn it into a grant thing, but it, you know, and I, I just kept telling them, I'm like, you guys need to hire somebody like me to walk you through what somebody like me needs. And clearly that's what y'all did. You had people like me, who knew what we needed on a platform to put it together. Cause I have, I have used instrumental and it's, it's, I'm not sitting there going, Oh, why do they call it this? Or, Oh, why, why is it this field here? Because it's all there because grant people have thought it through. So, um, so, yeah, yeah. so yes, all I to say is we, we, yes, she was very diplomatic about it, but yes, we're <laughs> right there with you about there's got to be something better. But oftentimes even the grant
2: makers themselves um, don't have experience actually seeking grants. And so I think that's what creates, I think that's what created that arena of opportunity that you were talking about, because yeah, there's a real disconnect and it could be so much easier for everyone, including the people reviewing the grants. If there was a better matchup, if there was a, it was a faster information exchange, all the things that you're trying, that you are facilitating with Instrumental. Yeah. yeah.
1: Funny thing was um we yeah, so like Kat and Angela, they came from that space and one of the things that we did in the in the early days and was we you know, we started with like matching you to grants, matching organizations and projects to grants. And uh-huh. early on we actually just hand matched you, right? Because we wanted to see if this was a something a p- problem we're solving. So we didn't build any software. We just had like a insane spreadsheet of grants and when somebody like told us they wanted to get matched and would pay for it. We you know, Kat and Angela would like spend hours and like do literal prospect research for them and send them this email, this beautiful email of like the five grants you need to check out. And obviously that's like a magical experience that we needed to figure out how to scale. Um, Mm -hmm. but Kat basically looked at like dozens, you know, hundreds of versions of our algorithm and just like manually, as a person who's in the grants world, looked at the results and was like that's a good fit. That's not a good fit. That's a good fit. That's not a good fit. And then we just took her feedback and we like baked it into our algorithm and did that, you know, like a hundred times until she looked at the results and was like, as a human being, I would like to see these results. And like, you know, I can understand why they're here. Um, so having that domain experience was really key. And also we talked to many, many, many people like yourself um, and we still do. And we just reach out and we're like, Hey, we're building this new thing. Pay you, you know, X dollars for your time just to give you feedback on this thing. Because um, even if you have, uh, you know, a team of there's some people that know some parts of it, you can't know every single use case or every single type of organization. Um, so, yeah, and I think some of that comes from me not coming from that space. I'm also especially paranoid about not understanding the problem, so I must get that information from your heads because <laughs> it's not in mine. <laughs> At least it wasn't then. Hopefully, it is now.
0: Right. It's a beautiful matchup between grant people and software people. So, um,
1: Right, exactly.
0: So you mentioned a little bit about your process, but I would love to know from initial idea to when you were able to really launch things, how long it took and maybe hit some of the highlights of going through that process um, to get instrumental off the ground.
1: Yeah, it was quite a journey. Um, We started off actually even before grants focused on, um we were still focused on funding but we actually initially built a crowdfunding platform for female scientists and we built actually multiple different versions of instrumental so when we when you say kind of what when did we launch i guess we launched the first product the first time a while back um, but we launched Mm -hmm. like many times after that as we learned things and we realized that what we had built before wasn't quite the thing that was going to work um we, so we launched, we, Angela and Kat were working on that crowdfunding platform like 2015, 2016. Um, 2016, we started to narrow in on, um, on grants. We started to realize that that was like an area to focus on. And initially we wanted to actually build a marketplace connecting first academic uh, grant seekers and funders, um, but a marketplace connecting them directly, um, trying to just totally kind of change the paradigm with grant funding. Realized that that wasn't something that uh, maybe it was a surprise to me, probably not going to be a surprise to you, but there wasn't really much of a a motivation or an incentive for funders to participate. They didn't really have a hair on fire problem that they needed to be solved. Um, (laughs) But we realized, (laughs) yeah, shocking. Um, Yeah, I mean, and it was actually really surprising because I was coming in from an outsider's perspective and I was like, don't funders want to give away their money more efficiently, or they don't want to make sure they're giving it out to you know the most effective nonprofits and and, and at that time I'm scientists. And I realized that when you're giving away money, it doesn't matter. Like no one can really hold you accountable, right? Because it's philanthropic mm-hmm. dollars; you're not making money, so you, the incentives are totally different. Um, so mm. it seems more obvious in retrospect, but at, at the time it was a big learning for me. Um, but what we did realize, um, again, to no, no surprise that the grant seekers do have like major hair on fire problems, right? Like they're trying to seek grants or trying to win money. Um, and the process is not very efficient. So we focus on building tools for them. Initially, again, academic researchers, then pivoting to nonprofits. And so it was a constant journey of like learning and iteration uh, that took many years um, and a lot of patience, a lot of ups and downs um, for sure. And I would say at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019 is actually really where we started to double down on this software platform for nonprofits to help them manage all their grants, um, find all their grants in one place. Um, and um, and actually, in at the beginning of 2018, when we started to shift our focus to nonprofits, we spent almost a year trying to make sure that we were starting at the right the highest problem area space, like we actually interviewed dozens of nonprofits and we asked them about their other pain points, other things that we could build for them because we figured if we're like entering in the nonprofit space, we should make sure that grants are actually the biggest problem to start with mm-hmm. or the best problem to start with. And, um, that's what we found, which was really exciting. Cause that's the, that had been where we had started already. And, um, yeah, so it was a, it was a lot of twists and turns
0: oh yeah well and i wish kimberly about spit her mouth out, mouth of water out when you were talking about grants being a hair on problem fire for yeah, profits it was, it was but actually
2: not, tea for the record it's tea, it tea. but same yes. idea same
0: idea <laughs> um no but you're right. I, I i love your beautiful dream world of, of creating a space where funders and their funding recipients came together so that they had a better product because that's that's the Kimberly and I have said repeatedly is the more communication and the more we can work with funders, the better product they're going to get, which means we're going to better spend the money, which means the people we're serving are going to have a better product all around. It'll just be so much better, but it is amazing how it's that relationship is not like that at this point. Maybe I can dream right
2: one day. Well, I mean, having conversations like this and using the platforms that we have to hold up these issues and talk about them and interview thought leaders and in addition to the how-tos because I can coach you how to write the most beautiful grant in the world, but I cannot wave a magic wand and say, and it'll be a great matchup and you will never have to hand deliver something during a pandemic or you will never have to provide 30 attachments three times a year or whatever it may be. So we can, we can get to a certain point um, and we will continue to do that here, but I think a lot of it is just having those conversations again mm-hmm. and again and advocating for change, and, uh, which which brings me to a question that I have about, um, we do spend a lot of time here talking about how to, how to write grants, how to cultivate relationships, how to manage grants, how to stay out of jail while you're managing grants, how to find the right grants, how to fundraise, how to talk to people about money, board members, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's lots of way um, what, how did you say there are lots of um, opportunities for improvement in the sector. And a lot of people, we're not the only ones. There are a lot of people in the sector who really would want to do that, but maybe they have the lived experience of working in the sector and but and, and see the pain points but don't don't have maybe the the technical skills or the know how to actually solve them. So we can't all meet, and have brilliant ideas and then fall in love and marry an expert, although way to finesse that. But um, but um, in, in the absence of that wonderful union, what are some other ways, what advice do you have for others who have these brilliant ideas, but are not quite sure how to bring it to fruition, uh, particularly in this sort of realm? Sure. Yeah, the
1: first thing I would say is, is to see how much you can validate without building any technology. I think sometimes people think that, you know, they have a great idea, they, and they jump to, okay, now I need to like raise a bunch of money so that I can hire a bunch of developers and like build something or somehow I need to like fund my development. But, you know, with us, we, it took us many twists and turns for us to figure out what actually was the right problem to solve and what was the right solution. And so if you jump to development and you really go into like solutioning where you're like, oh, okay, this is like a beautiful solution, you run the risk of wasting a lot of time and money, honestly, um, because you're getting that feedback from your customers or your potential customers later in the process. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that earlier... Uh, then you can iterate faster and make sure that by the when you're ready to actually build something, when you're confident um that the thing that you're building is gonna have a higher likelihood of success. And so there's, you know, there's a great book called The Mom Test, uh, which actually talks about a great way to do customer interviews um, because the mom test is kind of a funny name, but it's like you asked your mom, oh I have this idea, and she's gonna be like, oh it's wonderful, you should do it. And so it's it's a it's a book that teaches you how to get like real feedback from people that actually will help point you to their pain points and to and to their and to possible solutions. Um, so that's even like without building anything. Then I would say like if you have some ideas of of what of what it is you'd like to build, can you still also go further with like validating that without building much? Um, these days there's a lot of like no code tools or low-code tools where you could even build a landing page without knowing needing to know how to code, build a waiting list, you could at least you know, put together some designs on, like show off what you think, what you're thinking about building. See if you can get a hundred people on your waiting list. A um, hundred people that say that yeah, I'd actually pay whatever fifty dollars a month or you know thousand dollars a month for your product. Um, once it comes out, or I'm at least interested in joining your newsletter. Getting all of these different indicators of demand is going to make it easier for you to have somebody join your team that's on the more technical side or on the product side it's going to give them the excitement that oh yeah there's like actually like a real need here as opposed to just kind of taking your word for it um, and then also if you did want to fundraise or like you need to raise some money that's also going to be a really important indicator uh for that potential investor to say okay yeah there's like a real need here so um you know the question of like how do you kind of bring something to market I, the overall answer is like actually get as much validation and as much of that um, traction before needing to build much. And, and that will really it f- speed up the learning process.
2: So it also sounds like too the, the transferable skills that you may have as a grant professional would be um, on the, on the other end, matching, making sure there's a need before you seek grants is the same idea as making sure there's the actual documented need that we show as grant writers and our needs statement or whatever, but that you're showing as a potential developer of, of, of training or um, an application or a platform to make sure that there's a need that you can document and match up. I mean, yeah. Transferable Mm -hmm. skills to think about. Mm -hmm. Not smart to, before
0: you get so far down the road to make sure that you're on that right path. Fabulous
2: advice and the mom test. I'm going to be checking that out. Yeah, because my mom would always be like, "Oh, that's fine. You know, it's great. Yeah. You should they do are it. our biggest
0: cheerleaders. Yes, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. she'll put your little uh, you know, business plan on the fridge.
2: Yeah, be um, like, yeah. "Yay, honey, ready to go." Oh, yeah. um, um,
0: well. Speaking of making sure you're heading down the right path and you're doing the right thing, I'm curious what um, you all are doing an instrumental to ensure that your product and your company stays relevant and current. Because uh, you've built this great thing, but you know times change, right? So how are you keeping up with all the latest and greatest? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think the biggest thing that we do to make sure we're staying relevant is really staying very connected to the market and the customer. Um, mm-hmm. So right? There are some things that people will talk to us about or ask us about when we first started that they weren't asking us about then that they are asking us about now. And so we need Mm -hmm. to like pay attention to that. So like, for example, no one used to ask us about Asana integrations like three years ago. Um, And now that's like a pretty, like comes up in in many, many calls with with organizations. So we can't just be stuck in like what we were hearing then, like everything that we're listening to has to be like the most, um, kind of relevant current information from, from folks. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as we're building new things, as we have new ideas for things we want to build, um, continuing to have those conversations. And so we bake in interactions with customers or potential customers into almost every step of our customer of our product development process. So, um, on the problem side. So like making sure that we have a clear understanding of the problem, we might just like ask to interview you and say like, okay, like your problem with financial, you know, financial tracking with grants. If that's like a new area that we'd want to get into, we'd say like, okay, what's your current workflow? Like show me your current like spreadsheets where you're managing grants. What's the hardest part here and make sure that we have a a good picture of that. And then on the solution side, like showing you possible solutions to solve that problem, having you look at designs or prototypes before we actually build something to make sure that we're on the right track. Um, I think that's the that's that's the way that we can make sure that we're kind of staying staying relevant. And then I think the other piece of it is like the technology piece, where making sure that we're actually leveraging the the most relevant and appropriate like new technologies to um, enhance the user experience and what the product can do. And so we have a great head of engineering um, and, and an engineering team that uh, is always looking for ways to leverage that technology to speed things up.
0: Very good. And if you're hearing some beeping, one of us just has some electrical work going on at home and it happens. So the joy We're all of, safe. We're happy yes. to be here. And um, <laughs>
2: life. It's life. So so everybody's cool. So we're gonna keep I think it's
0: interesting that you brought up Asana. Both Kimberly and I were just I know Kimberly's working with somebody who uses it and I just started I just uh, started working with a new client who has just paid and gotten a sauna. So I'm, I'm learning how to use it as well. So it's, it's a product I hadn't used up until this year. Um, and I, it,
2: I mean, this in a really good way. I enjoy using it. It's kind of Slack esque in the way, and sort of the way you can add things and interact. So I think for me, that's what makes it so useful. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you're doing integrations with that because I, I, I mean, as you well know, yeah, it's getting more and more popular. And so, mm-hmm. like Asana, this is this is just us talking, not a sponsorship issue here. Just just <laughs> saying some stuff about what we're doing. But, um, but of course, we are grateful for instrumental sponsorship of this podcast, and also, um, you y'all just really do a good job of also getting out information. Um, just having folks come in and do webinars. We were honored to do a webinar ourselves. They're they're great blog posts, informative, updated frequently, and just a lot of engaging um, content. And um, also because you have um, sponsored some episodes with us this season, I just want to take a quick minute to remind folks that there is a code, big surprise, heyday, heyday. 50 and just to reiterate it's H A Y D A Y because that's our last names, not the word. We got you. Heyday 50, and that's $50 off the first month or $50 off of an upgrade with instrumental if you're going for the annual plan. So but with that in in mind, um Gari, are there um What are some ways that you would suggest if someone's interested in engaging with some of the the wonderful content that's already out there or taking advantage of the heyday 50 code? What's the best way for them to go about that?
1: Yeah. So if you are grant ready, you know, and you apply for grants and you win grants and you are looking for a way to accelerate your process, certainly check out our free trial. Uh, You can go to instrumental.com, it's called instrumental then the letter L.com, and there's a 14-day free trial. So you can try it out totally risk-free. Worst case scenario, you'll come away with some great grants and opportunities, funders for you to consider. Uh, Best case scenario, you'll see how it can totally streamline and accelerate your process. And if you'd like to subscribe, um, as we discussed, there's a way, you know, there's a coupon code that we're sharing with folks. Um, But even if you're not ready to jump into the world of grants, or your organization's not ready yet, or it's not a priority right now, we have our blog, we're instrumental.com forward slash blog, where there's a ton of free resources. We have um, workshops almost every other week at this point with folks um, like the Heyday crew, um, and uh, and it's just a great way for you to just learn more about grants in general. Start to get an understanding of what it means to be grant ready. Just start to like plant those seeds for when you are ready to, you know, potentially consider a tool like Instrumental or, or jumping in deeper into the world of grants.
2: And also look for merch called Heyday Crew coming to a platform. You, I'm just <laughs> absolutely
0: Why not? A branding <laughs> idea. Mm. Yeah.
2: Well, if folks don't know,
0: uh, you know, the, the blogs and the webinars, it's all free too. It's not, you know, so great content by experts in the field, absolutely free. So if you're looking for, you know, some new learning, it's a good place to go get it.
2: And it's good quality stuff because we've looked at it too. And we're not going to talk about things that we don't wouldn't use ourselves like we're yeah. since we we're raised southern we would be like oh how nice and then we just wouldn't talk about it so yeah.
0: that's, you know. <laughs> that's your clue people <laughs> oh well we love we love instrumental we, we love all the work and information you share with uh, us grant seekers um so thanks for joining us today Gary. it was great having you
1: yeah, thanks for having me. And if you or anybody else ever has any like thoughts or feedback, things that we should try, st- new problems we should solve, feel free to send it our way. We're always listening.
2: Awesome. Nice. Thanks so like much. It. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, I just I just wanted you to know that your your continued support is the reason we are well into season five. When we're looking towards season six, and we could not do it without you. If you really love what you're listening to. If you learn a little and laugh a little, would you please take the time and go on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening to us, and leave, oh, I don't know, five stars and a really cool review. Seriously though, it helps other people find us and it will just take you a minute and it would mean so much. So we can keep bringing you this wonderful free content and cheesy sound effects, no extra charge for the weird singing. Just want you to know. Also, if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you find us, just follow us and just, if you could just share it with folks that you think might like us, we would love that. And it helps folks who need good information, helps them find us.
0: Thank you again to our season five sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We so appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website at dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. We're so honored you chose to spend time with us today. And we hope you will tune in again in two weeks for our next episode where we're talking about productivity practices. Maybe mark your calendar. Look, I'm already giving
2: away the tips. Look at what she's doing. But seriously, we're going to explore things that are not your mama's productivity tools, some ways to really engage your strengths to get things done, but also decide what things need to get done. So we hope you will come and listen. Until next time, my friends. Bye.
0: Bye.